Welcome to Iona, a podcast delving into mystery and feminine systems, ancient, modern, and conceptual. I'm Allie Kessler of Cosmo Muse, astrologist and muse of seasonal rhythm. I'm Anne-Marie Vivienne, and I am the founder of Wisdom Anthologies. I am a philosopher, documentarian, and a poet, and I research naturalist systems and Welcome back to Iona. We've been a little bit um, in winter mode, so not doing quite as many uh, podcasts as typical, but, um, you know, we're taking care of ourselves, so um, <laughs> this, this episode, we're kind of diving in, we're at the very end of the astrological year, which um, puts us into our biggest boundaries, there's really porous complex things happening right now. It's sort of this moment of feeling some of our greatest exhaustion, but also moments of flow and inspiration as spring is kind of trying to tease us awake. So this sort of ebb and flow of exhaustion versus inspiration. And it's really sort of this fluid, big, complex time where we see our shadows and our light at the same time. So we see this deep understanding of things as they really are, which is beautiful and tough and brilliant and exhausting, <laughs> as I said before. Um, so we're just gonna dive in. We picked some cards as we usually do from the, the Knowing Deck by Seal Grove. And it was kind of about like what are the deep understandings um, that are hitting for both Anne and I. And um, Anne's going to read hers first. All right. So I'm really excited about what I drew because it, it is resonating in lots of ways um, and tying a lot of things together for me in that sort of like, I don't know, as Ali was talking about, seeing both shadow and light at the same time and really giving us this kind of whole perspective and it and we will get into it but we've been talking still a lot about integrity and it just made me remember that you know integrity shares root with um integration Ooh. and so i really felt like i've been integrating and accepting these pieces of me both light and dark in a way that's been really empowering and really uh <laughs> explains myself to me <laughs> like in a really uh healing way okay so I drew um salmon and kelp uh persevere for your path has heart salmon are some of the most awesome beings on earth and offer the entire system of life and humanity so much in terms of inspiration, sustenance, and beauty. Teachers of great discipline and rigor, they have an unfailing inner directive that allows them to push through the most terrifying of ordeals 
and even to shift the basic metabolism of their bodies so that they may move from salt water into fresh and back again. They do the impossible. They are courageous, determined, and focused, offering the knowing that everything worth having will have struggle embedded within it. And that struggle is beautiful. Both they and Kelp, their ally, know that with tenacity, we can move beyond our wildest dreams and limits to grow higher and farther than ever before. So long as we are rooted in our goals and committed to our dreams, Kelp grow to be some of the tallest plants in the world, continuously reaching to the light as they are support, supported by both their flexibility, adaptability, and rootedness. What dream am I not pursuing because of a fear of failure? So I'll just touch on this a little bit. We'll get into it more as we discuss. Um, but I was in our pre-discussion, I was saying just that of how this year I have faced my biggest fears, which for me personally have been about um, loneliness and, um, you know, look, looking back at the description of this, you know, that it, it talks about, um, uh, let's see, where does it say, that, it, that salmon are able to push through the most terrifying of ordeals and even to shift the basic metabolism of their bodies so that they may move from salt water into fresh and back again. They do the impossible. So this, like, I don't know, just pushing through the, the most terrifying of ordeals. For me personally, I had to kind of push through that this year. And I see, in hindsight, like I did some things that I thought were totally impossible for me. And <laughs> to be able to find happiness and contentment um, with where I'm at in my life is pretty miraculous and also just like now I have this finally this sense of resiliency that like as I face fears like I will grow from it mm. and um to never turn away from my fears again and another thing I faced this year is like actually like truly pursuing my writing in a way that I've never done before um and have realized I haven't done it before because I'm afraid of rejection. And so now I'm just like, well, <laughs> I'm about to find out. And if rejection happens, it's not going to stop me from continuing to uh, to try to do it and make it happen. So uh, salmon and kelp, uh, that's an awesome way to end the year. So I love the facing fears. To me, that's so like completely embracing of the shadow and totally the light at the same time and that I don't know I just well, and I love that, that the phrase is facing fears and yeah. not rejecting fears and yeah. not conquering fears like no it's, it's just face like, like facing them, them face to face in fact that's making me think of one of my favorite books is a C.S. Lewis book and it's a myth and it's called um, till we have faces mm. and it's about you know these gods and these sacrifices that are made to gods and and this sister who has to sacrifice her sister to the gods mm. and she ends up meeting her sister in this kind of mythical way and that's where the title of the book comes until we can face mm. each other and say the exact thing we really want to say and is that you like know. a metaphor for facing like your own dualities or totally yeah yeah so I'm just like putting that together that's just popping to mind but anyway yeah the facing each other and to face it and to 
accept it and to see it and embrace it. Yeah, I feel like until you face your fears, you can't really see your wholeness and your yeah those Pisces big boundary com- the complexity of what and who you are and yeah and I think I love that it's coming at the end of the astrological year at Pisces because to me you get that kind of end of the year perspective where you can mm-hmm. see it all yeah and, and Pisces is the fish so it's fitting that you got a fish <laughs> I love it on so many levels I'm swooning inside anyway I'll stop talking about yeah. it and we'll get into it more uh, I'm just looking at her card it's the 13th card and that just reminded me like I forgot to say it's our 13th episode and then Anne was like, oh, that's like the feminine numbers. There's 13 moon cycles. So yeah. anyway, that's just like a side So thing, but. <laughs> I'm taking this as like a powerful card yeah. draw. <laughs> and it's, I don't know that I'll get this uploaded tonight. So I don't know that this will be uploaded exactly on the full moon. But tonight as we're recording, it is, um, we're just right after the Virgo full moon was this morning. And um it's also in what's called perigee. It's very close to us, uh, the moon is. So it's also a super moon. So it's potent. <laughs> the feminine forces are with us I'm right now. Feeling it in my <laughs> belly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so I got uh, the mountain for what is sort of coming through with deep understanding for me right now. And it felt. Interesting, because I brought up the mountain as we were doing our pre-talk. So our so, pre-talk was potent. It was potent. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the tradition of my Aymara teacher, mountains are seen as wise. Grandfather spirits called Apus, uh, and they remind humankind of the necessity of right living and relationship. Too much of the time we consider ourselves so much more wise and seasoned in mind and intellect than is reasonable. And the mountains, those, these, bring, uh, these beings who have existed for millions and millions of years, look upon our arrogance as a primary source of our dysfunction. These telluric spirits protect and guide the fate of those living near to them and offer feedback and reminders to those who are living off course. To connect with the elemental teachings of the mountains is to express reverence for the historical wisdom of our planet and to appreciate the big history of the earth rather than relying on our own very limited arrogance. When we lose mountain energy, we are aggressive, distracted, and absolutely certain that we know the only way to do anything. However, when we are in uh, connection and alignment with it, we understand and appreciate the teachings of all who have come before and live with respect and honor. Uh, am I being arrogant? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I immediately told Allie, she's not being arrogant. Um, no, I think the mountain for me is this just really leaning into the integrity of who I am and letting the world around me um, I don't know, just like really inform intuitively what's coming out of me right now, which um, feels more integral to who I am and what I've always wanted to do than I've ever let myself. Um, So I'm feeling that mountain spirit for sure of just sort of this almost, yeah, like a grandfather energy of like, you've got this, you have the integrity, 
do you as time. So. Yeah, and I think actually, you know, I think what we all do when we're, when we get caught up in, you know, trying to do, you kind of explore, like, you see other people doing things, and so you kind of do that imitation thing for a while and think, oh, this is yeah. the path I'm going to go on, and I'm going to try that, and I think, I don't know, I'm seeing Allie as she's really stepping into, like, and owning who she is and what she wants to do, like, a leaving behind of Mm. that kind of imitation which has an arrogance to it we yeah. all like do it of just like this is how I'm gonna do it and yeah I've got this and then all of a sudden <laughs> you're like but is that really what I want to do in the first place like why am I trying so hard to do something and you end up learning from it and it ends up being a teacher so it's not all yeah I mean I, lost, I definitely think all my experiences I couldn't step into this point any sooner. Like, I needed yeah. to go through what I went through. Um, and to try out some things. To try out some things. But, I, you know, there's been some roadblocks. I didn't take school seriously when I was younger. So I've always felt these, like, incomplete elements around my command of language and writing. And now I'm kind of back in school filling in those holes. And I feel more confident to step into that. And... Um, I always kind of sideline this more mystical thing about me in the past several years. I really dove into that. Um, and I've always, as I dove into it though, like there's been this block. It's not like the thing I've wanted to be seen for, or, like achieve in the world, but it was a curriculum I needed to understand in order to implement and integrate into the thing that I want to achieve, which is right like story like I'm a fantasy filled person and I I've hinted that I'm doing something different and have some new aims and it is like fantasy fiction writing whether it's literature or screenwriting or shorts whatever stories just yeah yeah, leaning into it and letting myself go there and I've always kind of held back and been scared of it Going back to the fears. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> I, I had fears and blocks around it, and I'm I'm stepping into it. But, you know, beyond that, I definitely have, like, a darkness in my creativity and my art side. My artist is a little dark, and uh, that's not... I think I kind of talked about this last time. Like, um, yeah. it's not going to impress some of the people in my life. <laughs> so... <laughs> actually have you know gone there and tested to see what comes out and it is dark and um but at the same time it is haunting and beautiful and so it's not quite as like um disturbed maybe as I thought it would be there are some disturbed things that come out but it's still like wrapped in like some beauty and haunting (laughs) elements well I think depending (laughs) on your perspective some people might be totally disturbed yeah Um, totally I you know and hearing Allie talk about it what I love about it is um it feels like she's doing darkness right like it's just like oh this is it's going to be disturbing in the ways that are useful yeah, it's not in a perverse way because, mm-hmm. like, going back to our episodes on the erotic, like, there's something deep in my darkness that's mm-hmm. um, authentic and real and how I think yeah. darkness should be very connected to the feminine and something that we should be more connected to is, yeah. like, not a bad thing. 
Yeah, so I think people who are disturbed by the feminine yeah. will be disturbed. Which and I think that's I a think lot most of, people are. I th- <laughs> yes, I think so. I think that's, you know, what we're facing right now is how yeah. how toxic the masculine has become. Yeah. And so that means that a lot of us are disturbed by the darkness of the feminine. You know, we want the feminine well, to only show its light. Yeah, that and we take... we we make the darkness pornographic because we aren't really connected to it in the way we should be. And so I'm trying to go there in the way we should be. Yeah. And I think it's a more mature way of doing it. I think the pornographic ways that a lot of people have explored darkness and art, um, is a very immature understanding of it. And so I think what Ali is doing is, and all of the different paths she's taken have led her to a mature understanding of the feminine, which is really cool to see. Well, it's still very intuitive, but I think that's what the feminine is. That is exactly. (laughs) But like, if you ask me to explain it and like give you clarity on it, like I'm not going to because it shifts every day, and that's well, and that's that's the nature of it. That's the nature of it. Yeah, it's the feminine is implicit, not explicit, and we're we're so obsessed with having things explained and detailed and yeah. proven and have the data and I want to know this this and this and even in art we have art critics who analyze yeah. the hell out of everything you know it's just like we yeah. just can't let things be you can't just experience it and feel it and intuit it and understand it and know in that way you have to know in these explicit yeah. ways which is and when I look at you know like a yearly process or even a daily process or a 20-year process, like half of it is going through yin territory. And I feel like we've limited the yin to like mother and wife. And these are beautiful, obviously beautiful things, but I think there's things about the yin process that are really dark dark and powerful. And we, you know, I'm watching all these, um, I've talked to Anne about this before and I've, finally gotten to a place where I'm embracing it, but I really struggled against um, these heroines coming out that are acting like men. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I get that that's a step to owning, you know, like feminism and like women can do what men can do and we do have an aggressive side and it needs to be recognized and we have a place in, in the current constructs of the world. But I've always like been bothered that we're not trying to build respect around our own constructs the the yin quality yeah in feminism um beyond mother beyond wife beyond the it's obvious just, things it's just feminine and even and i appreciate um, it especially being a woman who is not a wife and not a mother you know and yeah. that can be very on the flip side can be very um alienating to constantly be fed these stories that the feminine is wife and mother yeah because i'm just i'm not i'm never gonna be either of those yeah and it can be alienating so i love what i i think that's probably a big reason why i'm a fan of what Allie's doing is she's expanding she's not getting rid of those things as feminine but she's expanding the feminine into something the dark places that we haven't really touched yet yeah um i mean definitely people have touched it but like in a more popular way um yeah but i get you know like i finally embrace like where the hair you know like 
women have been oppressed and suppressed and repressed and whatever pressed, <laughs> just pressed, pressed. on. <laughs> and so I get like we're exploding and we need to like for be, sure like our aggression's coming out and I get that and I embrace it and that's great. But like I'm ready to like I really want to show where I want to take the feminine and it's just as powerful, but it's not as clear and it's not as straightforward and it's not about being physically strong. It's about being psychologically strong. Well, and I love, too, what Allie's doing because what she's doing is she's identifying, like, anger is a necessary part of understanding what we're feeling, what we're going through. And I was talking about it separately, another personal experience I went through recently where something made me super mad and angry. And I had to work through the anger, and the anger was the spark. And I kept thinking, even as I was angry, I, you know, in the back of my mind, my thinking brain was like, remember that what anger really is, is it's, it's letting you know there's something you're grieving and there's something you're really sad about. Mm-hmm. Like, grief is at yeah. the root of this. And I think sure. what Allie is doing is, is moving beyond the anger that is necessary, but the mm-hmm. anger has woken us up to say, yeah. there is something we are grieving about the feminine and that mm-hmm. we've lost. And I think what Allie, what she's writing is, is restoring and reminding us of those things that we have lost with the feminine. And so, but we needed the anger moment. Yeah. And I think... And we still do. And we still do. And we'll always, you'll always need that anger to kind of signal to you that there's some grief here. Like that's your first reflex is the anger. And it's a signal that there's grief under this. Yeah. And so you have to kind of work through the anger and you can't get rid of the anger or you'll never, you won't see the grief. So it's necessary, yeah. but I like that Ali is bringing the next piece yeah. of that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, that's where I feel like my deep understanding and the big ahas of my shadow and light are hitting. Of like, I have stories to tell. I feel ready and confident to write, and I'm recognizing through some of the classwork and. Uh, exercises I've done that like I do have I still have a lot of work to do on my command of language but I definitely see that like I I have uh, something maybe inherently interesting in me around world building and the messaging that I have to bring so big understand like big ahas there and big like I feel like I've been straddling the fence my whole life of like really owning who I am and I'm just stepping off and I know it's probably going to disappoint some people in my We life. are so ready but to I'm, disappoint. Yeah, <laughs> I'm there. I'm ready. It's what yeah. I want to do with my life. I'll always have the cosmic theme, but it's it's never been the thing that I've wanted to like and be a representative know. in the world of. I, it, it's something that feeds sort of the artist in me. Yeah. I still like sharing, you know. Yeah, it's so. still it's still a catalyst for you. <laughs> it's still a catalyst. It's still uh, a compulsion. <laughs> yes, and you're good <laughs> at it. That's you're good at it. Not, we benefit, <laughs> so we're cool with it. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I I don't know. I think um, for me this. 
And just finally coming to peace with my own shadow side, which in some ways is a literal shadow side, like discovering what an introvert I really am has been. And I was telling Allie in our pre-conversation, like, I didn't really, I knew it. And I I knew I always felt homeless and I've always felt this panic around making a home and I've got to find a home and it's got to be this way that, in a way that I was brought up to the way you make a home is you find a husband and you settle down <laughs> and um, it, you know and you have a job and a career and that's that's how you make a home and so I've been looking for home in all of these ways on the outside these you know extra and you know like yeah outside of me like how do I create home and all along it's been like as an introvert and didn't know I was an introvert because I was so trained to be an extrovert and that's what was normal and that's what was acceptable and I've been fighting myself my whole life and no wonder I felt homeless like I've never so it's this like accepting this literal shadow side of myself that like I like to stay in the shadows most Mm -hmm. of the time and I that's where I I love to think like a big part of my writing process is I will literally sit on my couch and just let my brain think for like an hour. I'm not writing anything. I'm just literally, probably just looks like I'm sitting on my couch and staring at a wall. (laughs) I love that. You you told us the story about on planes where you'll just stare at the seat and think. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, we were talking, everyone the other night had some guests over. Anna's a very serious thinker. I... (laughs) So everyone was talking about their like airplane routine and like what they do and they watch movies and they've got their neck pillows and they're getting cozy and uh, you know and I've known this that people sitting next to me on a plane probably are so freaked out by me and like I will go on long flights like eight hour flights and I will do nothing but think I don't sleep I don't watch movies I don't write sometimes I'll read for maybe like 10 minutes but then it sparks the thought that will just and then I close my book and so I'm just staring and kind of looking around a little bit distracted by all the screens and wish that all the screens would turn off because they're Mm. distracting me from thinking so amazing (laughs) and I just want I just want to sit on a plane for hours and think and it's so it's so fun and healing <laughs> and so relaxing for me. And I'm always it's like... relaxing to you. And I'm just like, people probably think I am a psycho just like staring around doing nothing for hours on the plane. I think it's amazing. <laughs> so, so I have a very... I'm really embracing that kind of thinking side of me. Um, yeah, we have these... I'm sure a lot of people listening have done the Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs so. Yeah. I have the feeling and Anna has the thinking and we we're kind of like comparing notes and I think it helped us each like yeah. recognize how distinct yeah. those were in us. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, obviously I, Allie's a thinker too. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks and everyone feels. And I'm also so it's just like a how you yeah. organize your world. And I'm like, yeah, oh, my I don't thinking think will I, always take precedence. Until we've bounced these categories off of each other I'm like I don't think I realized how much I organized my life via feelings I don't I'm not like a highly emotional person but I'm like oh well my you know my moon's in Libra so like my feeling is very yeah and we're both intuitive you know yeah we both have the intuitive intuitive introvert introvert and then you're an F 
P. Yeah. So your perspective. Perceptive. Perceptive. Or perspective. Perceptive. Perceptive. And I'm judgment. So um, how did I work that out in my head where I was like, it's not like I'm judgmental, but um, I like balance. I thought of it more as like, and also uh, decisive. So it's like I can imagine and Mm -hmm. imagine and imagine, but I will ultimately make a decision and focus. Yeah. So I can get, so I'll, I'll just state and just state. That's a word that keeps coming up for me, Mm -hmm. but then I will make a decision. Um, and one that I feel is balanced and, yeah. Um, yeah. We need to dive into those a little more to get the different, I mean, yeah, obviously I know they're different, but like, I feel like the thinking, feeling really like totally help me kind of like see how you will better. I was like, okay. yeah, Yeah. Like I do organize my world through feeling which was surprising to me I was like makes sense now that I see it (laughs) that was also a big new understanding that came I'm like wow I never right and that's been new connected me as the feeling person that I am yeah and I finally just did my Myers-Briggs as I've been having this aha like I think I'm an introvert and I've labeled myself I slowly started to say things like I'm a social introvert (laughs) I think like I I can't be a total sliding scale so maybe you're like well, and I realized, you know, like there are, even as introverts, as I'm reading a lot of books about it, like introverts mislabel and misunderstand introversion themselves yeah. because it's, there's such a popular stereotype about what introversion is. And it's, it's not even that we're asocial. And like, in fact, the way I'm, you know, coming to understand it totally explains me in that, um, we're just deep connectors, mm. you know? So it explains why I love one-on-ones yeah. and like very small groups of like three or four, because then I'm able, and I've said this to people, like big parties are hard for me because I get overwhelmed because I love connecting with people. And with a big party, I don't even know where to start. And there's yeah. not enough time to really get to, to connect to everybody in the room, which is what I want to do. And mm. it's, and I want and so it just becomes overwhelming, and I'm like, there, this isn't going to be meaningful for me because I won't have any connection. This is about... Mm, I love that you want to connect, everyone. I just mm. shut off. Yeah. Well, and I, I but I flooded. end up shutting off. Yeah. I end up shutting off. And then I go into my thinking head. <laughs> and then I just happily go into my head and don't talk to anyone. So then I just have a conversation with myself, and I'm connecting mm. to me. And I'm, I'm just flooded, and I might as well just be like a body that... Yeah, oftentimes, <laughs> I, and then I usually end up leaving early yeah. or something, you know, so I can go home and connect to me and read a book and connect to these ideas and thoughts and an author that I've never met, you know. So there's always, I'm always connecting. Mm, yeah. But um, I'm definitely like hypersensitive. That's a characteristic of introverts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hypersensitive in a lot of ways. Um, so in that sense, I do feel deeply. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just accepting that kind of shadow side of myself of like this very quiet side, this yeah. very content, the contemplative side of me that I have never nurtured because I felt like I have to either be out being social or like we live in Salt Lake City where it's like outdoor Mecca. And I've also always felt a lot of pressure to be this like extreme outdoor athlete. I've enjoyed it for sure, but I'm yeah. definitely like. I do outside so differently than most people around here. And so yeah. just like, 
there's this slow side of me that I'm really embracing and this kind of for me it's like those kind of funny little things of like oh I've I you know find seeing these ways that I've been subconsciously and humanly trying to fit in and and even doing the like super extreme outdoor <laughs> things, which I'm proud to say I, I I can now say I can do those things yeah. if I need to, but it's it's not a pace that is healthy for me mm-hmm. um, because it just expends all of my energy. So yeah, I'm I'm loving embracing the shadow side because it's it's nourishing to me. It's very nourishing, yeah. And I love some of the ways that Ali's explaining how she's going to depict darkness is both nourishing and selfish, you know? And I keep hearing... Nourishing, selfish, but also, like, you know... I lo- I mean, I always... I don't know what it is about seasons as being my reference to everything <laughs> that Same. it is. Because I feel like you can map anything onto it because it's totally. the natural order, you know? Yeah. But, you know, like, autumn is the most feminine period, and it's, like, the earth receiving all the stuff that needs to be recycled that's rotting that's and there's something that the earth wants about that that fertilizes it and there's something about a yin quality that maybe craves taking in psychological things to mm. process and this is i don't know that that are that need healing that need yeah. recycling that need to like break down you yeah. know this is interesting because it's making me, I'm going to ask, let's see if I can ask this question in a way that you'll get it, because <laughs> this is a new thought right this minute, so I'll try to articulate. But you know, we're talking about shadow and light side, mm-hmm. and so I feel like there's even this kind of like, right, so the feminine has a shadow and light side, the masculine has a, yeah. a shadow and a light side. So as you're talking about autumn, and it's this the most feminine season of receiving. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had this realization as you were saying that, that often I think I subconsciously think of summer as the most feminine of seasons because it's so abundant and everything's mm. so beckoned. But maybe it's that, like, it seems to be the yang side of feminine. It like is. it's out it's the there active because it's um, so like how it's broken down even in astrology is like a summer quarter or cancer to Virgo signs are um, it's like actively passive so it's still light out longer than it is yeah. dark so there's an active quality but it's receding so the autumn it's dark for longer than it's light and it's darkening so yeah. that's the most but cancer it depends on how you want to look at the halves or the quarters but like cancer is when the sun starts to travel back southward yeah. um, for us in the north at least um, so you know and I like I map astrology onto the hero's journey and that's that cancer point or that summer solstice or that that's the point when you're like in the roots of something the belly of the well or when if you're in the heroine's journey when you're re-embracing like you change worlds from the masculine to the feminine at that point for sure yeah so, okay yeah so it is like yeah it is a feminine yeah. season but it's 
there's still an active quality to it. I feel like uh, being the Libra that I am and loving to find balance in myself, uh, <laughs> I feel like as much as I'm, uh, that's helpful for me as I just think about my temperament. Of, like I've always, because I think so much, I've always felt very masculine. Um, but, I've all, but I also feel like there is a femininity to me. Yeah. And right now I'm thinking, I'm sure it's, there's, it's, there's a lot of ways I'm feminine, but like one reason I'm thinking, oh, I was born in autumn, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have some kind of inherent femininity. But that's, but it's also, it's been very, I think. But that's the sun, you know, so like your son, your yeah, masculine son. True. element has a feminine quality. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Paradoxes and balance. Right. I love it. Let's see, your moon is Taurus, which mm -hmm. is in spring, which is the most, even though Taurus is a feminine sign, spring is the most masculine mm, order. Yes. Know? So like yeah. your feminine side has some masculinity. Masculinity and your masculine side has some femininity. That's a good balance. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> of course I love it. I mean, why wouldn't I? It's me. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I think that's been a struggle for me, figuring out what it means to be a woman for me. Yeah. And it's been really difficult to figure that out because I feel like in some ways I feel more masculine than most women. And so like the manuals and the this is how it's supposed to go and this is how it went for me. Yeah. So it's really, you know, people are always, you know, with good intentions giving me advice. And, I, and I'm now realizing, like, more and more in that part of the integrating myself is that, like, trusting myself. Yeah. And that I ultimately know what I'm comfortable with and what I want. And, um, and I was telling Allie in our pre-conversation, like, uh, subconsciously not thinking about the full moon being Virgo and all of these Virgo themes that are coming up, like as a woman, I really, especially, it kind of reached a climax in the past, well, probably month, really, of me trying to figure out what is my use as a woman when I am unmarried and childless. Yeah. Like, that was a real crisis for me, and I knew, and subconsciously that's been part of my, like, trying to build a home, and can I be at home without these things? And, yeah. and now I'm just like, oh man, I, I do have use <laughs> in this world and I do have a lot to offer or it's okay if I don't. Oh, <laughs> like, you do. Or I'm like, but I, what I have to offer is this, in a feminine way, you know, and I'm realizing is this nourishment uh, for my friends. Yeah. You know, I can really be present and show up for the women in my life who are in committed relationships and have other things going on, and I get to create this kind of sanctuary for women, which I adore, that that's yeah. kind of what well, I Well, and I think you have a unique mind that... Um, a what? A unique mind, and... Oh, what you write is always beautiful. I don't know. There's still a lot. Yeah, so I'm like, I feel like, and I, and I do come back. I even have a, I went to Guatemala in December for my Wisdom Anthologies project. And, um, 
And I followed this for a while, but it really became clear on this, for this phase, so I've kind of ended the travel for phase one of Wisdom Anthologies, and I'm now work, working on the book, first book, um, which is hopefully first of many volumes, but, you know, I've, I've known this for years about myself, uh, and then it kind of culminated at this in this Guatemala trip, and where I really felt like I am, I'm a midwife for women mm -hmm. in this way of just like, I don't know, being able to witness and to listen mm -hmm. and to and to make them seen and make them valuable in a way that they couldn't do for themselves. Yeah. And, and so, you know, at the end of the trip, um, I found this great little antique shop that has all of these like traditional Mayan wooden carved images and idols and I picked up I picked up three of them and one of them unknowingly and you know when I asked the woman you know like what does this one represent she's like oh it's a midwife oh that's cool you know so <laughs> it was like I you know was drawn to the midwife yeah. idol and well it said in you know oral traditions that have been passed down that uh, women who you know we're very off sync with this with electricity and oh, yeah. artificial lighting but when we did live by nature's light um yes. and a little bit of candlelight um women who were meant to give birth and be mothers of children bled at the new moon mm -hmm. and women who were meant to be midwives bled at the full moon guess who's bleeding me <laughs> TMI, welcome to this <laughs> this this episode, thirteenth episode. We're gonna go there for a minute, but yeah, no, hey, I love that. Um, so midwife. I don't think midwife has to be limited to birthing, literally birthing children like that's No, and and my and in our complex society now, that can be yeah, a lot of different things. Well, and I feel like in that sense, it's in some ways I kind of am a more masculine midwife and that like birthing thought yeah um and that thinking and 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 just perspectives like mm -hmm. I love shifting and transforming a perspective yeah more than anything um so that's a very kind of masculine sort of way of midwifing my great-grandmother was a midwife the grandmother I was named after so she was an actual midwife and I've always felt I didn't she died when I was maybe one or two, so I didn't ever really know her, but just that kind of having her namesake um, has always been curious to me, and I don't know, I just, I've made up my own version of her in my head, but I'm like, she was a midwife, which she had to have some kind of healing touch yeah. as well, you know, and I feel like she very much was this midwife in a physical way, and I feel like more of a spiritual midwife. Yeah. Which is That's masculine. what I think I relate to. I spend a lot of time figuring out where I fall. Like, do I want to have a kid? If I don't, what? Yeah. Again, not necessarily, like, I don't think I feel it as deeply, like, what's my use? But, like, what's my womanness about? Yeah. Like, what do I nurture and birth? And Well, and I keep talking about writing is literally, like, yeah. a labor for me. And the way I write looks like labor. Yeah. You know, like, 
I talk about how I have these contractions and I push and like all this writing and idea comes out and it exhausts me and then I have to rest. Yeah. I'm laying on my couch for a while and then all of a sudden another contraction comes and I write and I, so like even though I'm not having children and I'm not helping women have actual children, I feel like labor and birth and all of that is very relevant to what I'm doing. See, and I feel that cosmically, like it has come through astrological counseling where in the last, I don't know, 18 months or maybe even just a year, I've noticed that I attract a very specific transition in people when they come to me. Like they are always (laughs) going to be going through this like deep ending and deep beginning (laughs) in their progressions. Like Mm. (laughs) either their sun or their rising sign is like, going through a, yeah, a, a major transition of like a Pisces degree to an Aries yeah. degree. And it's like, that's the thing I know how to get people through. Well, and I've often called Alan <laughs> and a midwife. And I like, yeah, like a cosmic midwife. Yeah. But now, and I love it. I yeah. do love it, but it takes... It's draining. A lot of energy. Yeah. Even if it doesn't seem like it on the other side like and even if I don't feel it at the moment like after you'll go home and be like like, oh wow Um, (laughs) but I feel that starting to go into um part the stories I want to write are have a lot of that quality in them and I think that's where it's starting to get channeled is You've been experiencing it. I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. I know what it is. I know what it looks like. I know what it brings out in patterns. And so now I I think I want to, like, yeah, map that into stories of something that's more accessible to anyone, you know, instead of just a few people one-on-one that I can touch. I can put it in stories to put out there, you know. Yeah, I feel like both Allie and I are stepping into that, like, expanding our reach. Yeah. And, like, we've kind of been... Finally figured out, like, how, like... Yeah, yeah. where and how we want to do that. And I think we've been experimenting and kind of just testing out, like, who are we? What do we do? What, like... (laughs) Like, (laughs) there was no roadmap for what we are. (laughs) No, there's no roadmap for any of us, right? No, exactly. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us fall into that trap of roadmap, and that's often what a midlife crisis is and sadly some people never even figure it out ever just live the roadmap their whole lives Mm -hmm. and so I think often in midlife crisis which I think we've kind of gone through yeah um and are coming you know kind of coming out the other start just barely coming out the other side (laughs) we're still fresh um and wobbly and I still kind of like see my old patterns and go ooh, I'm gonna try that oh wait no don't don't touch that don't go there uh, but I think um, the roadmaps are so tempting and it feels messy to just be like, I'm not going to use the roadmap. And you end up frustrating a lot of people, which has been really hard for me to finally accept that. Um, I think that's been like in the top five things I've learned over the past year is like, stop worrying what other people think. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You talk about the roadmap. I do think if you have a target and a passion and a want that has a roadmap, like, damn, that's fantastic. But 
Make some pit stops? <laughs> no, no. Um, so going back to that thing that I birth people through cosmically. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so I know you've been through this process mm-hmm. and it shows up in some big patterns in my chart that this, when you transition from an ending to a beginning, you're in a pioneer archetype. There's no map. Yeah. You are a frontiersman. And yeah. that's sort of... I would love it if there was a map for being <laughs> in this position. Being the pioneer. Being the pioneer, but... But also, do we really... We wouldn't follow no, it. No, yeah. I we feel like Allie and I are finally acknowledging <laughs> that... Like, that question when people are like, what would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self? I'm finally going, nothing, because I wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. I wouldn't even listen to me. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. listen to other people, for better or worse. <laughs> like, I just do me. And, yeah. and I have to struggle and figure it out, but I feel like now I'm trusting that, like, I'm just going to do me, and it might be messy... And people might be frustrated as hell that I'm moving like a turtle, but man, I don't care. Like, <laughs> but you're, what you were just saying reminded me of something you wrote on Cosmo Muse today that I, I'm glad you brought up because anyway, so you were talking about, um, I loved how you were talking about the difference between perfection and perfecting. Mm. And it got me thinking about, yeah, perfection is that destination yeah. and perfecting is this it's a refinement and you know what perfecting shares it actually shares um some there's a relationship between perfecting and integrity mm. and that is wholeness yeah you know so it is that like and and also it allows for um perfecting allows for you to I make love mistakes it. to try things well and to well and to allow for the unexpected yeah yeah. You know, because I think sometimes when you're when you are destination oriented and you have this roadmap, um, you're missing all the scenery. Yeah. And like you're not willing to go get lost yeah. and see something that you that is beyond what was on the roadmap. Yeah. You know, like and I think actually hold on, this is this book is just, <laughs> um so I I'm reading this lovely book by Mark Nepo called Drinking from the River of Light and there's a whole chapter on the unexpected. Um, hold on. The unexpected dimension. Um, let's see. So, beyond our most earnest intent, so that would be the destination, our creative efforts allow us to meet and co create with life, not bend life to our design. Mm. When finally accepting that we relate to material rather than manipulate it, we discover that we create and are changed by the discovery. So to me, I, I feel like that. I feel like perfection is the manipulation, the manipulation, and the perfecting, perfecting is like the relating. Yeah. Because so in relating, there's still room to. There's a fluidity and a flexibility yeah. and a. To explore and that co-creation, and do, yeah, yeah, and you discover things, yeah, with that, and so I feel like perfection—you don't discover anything, yeah. yeah. So, just a little step back where this came in. I, w- I wrote something about today's um, Virgo full moon, and perfection can be one of Virgo's traps. Mm. But perfecting the act, the process, isn't 
there's a lot of humility in that where perfection is really rigid it's really sterile it leaves no room for love it's very critical mm. and um so they're you know they sound so similar and like there's not much difference but there's a huge difference and mm. um that's been i'm trying to uh, how do i articulate this when you just said that and you you inserted like the best of the best like love you know mm. and it's just like I feel like this season of Pisces with compassion being such a piece of it and like that self-compassion and that like I finally feel like this place of accepting you know all of myself the shadow and the light I finally love myself unconditionally Mm. and it's also now allowed me I started writing a little something I don't know where I'm going to put it but just about now that I can love myself imperfectly and maybe I want to change that language now based on this conversation Mm -hmm. a little bit but that I'll just keep with that language for now and think about later how I want to shift that but um but now I can also allow others to love me imperfectly yeah you know like I don't need people to like say the right things and Mm -hmm. like do you know like show up at just the right times and you know it's just like oh it's just like yeah being aware of the relationship instead of expectation of perfect exactly yeah it's so freeing for myself and for everyone around me yeah to just be like all of you like I think I was getting there and like I think for the most part people felt like they could be themselves around me but um, I feel like now it's just like it's like re- it's like real that like no really you can just show up as you are and say stupid shit or stay too late or <laughs> <laughs> you know like I don't care like yeah. you know just yeah like and I'll and I'll love you and you'll love me and all your shadow and all your dark yeah and I'll stay stupid I know I say stupid shit (laughs) and people keep inviting me back it's amazing so yeah I feel like another thing that's come up for me around like deep understanding and seeing the shadow and light is I've talked to Anne a little bit about this is this new awareness of how much I undermine myself and Mm. I think it comes from a perfection yeah I've got that too. I've got a lot of Virgo in my chart. I don't know where my need for perfection Um, comes from, but I've got it for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it comes in a lot of places, but um, I think everyone has, you know, everyone undermines themselves. Everyone has a saboteur in them, and but I, I don't know. Like I just all of a sudden recognized how prevalent it was in me and so like I'm trying to adopt new emblems like the goat supposed to be like the greatest of all time I love it cockiness I'm like trying to like even thinking about tattooing it on me to remind me not to like have that self-talk or just to catch myself out but I'm also trying to see the the shadow with this here of like Being so caught, like, I, you know, the goat, I'm not sure I'm settling on the goat anymore because there's an element of me that still, um, that feels rigid to me Mm. and I want it to be soft and like, Mm. it's okay if I sometimes feel insecure and not to like, just to watch myself talk about like 
undermining myself, but being okay with feeling insecure sometimes and being compassionate with talk around it. So like, what's the emblem that Mm, embraces like like being a little cocky, but also like compassionate about insecurity. I like that a lot. I don't know if the goat is quite right. Maybe not, (laughs) but I I love where you're going with this. And it is that reminder of like, we're always going to have a self-talk that's not great for ourselves. And we're always going to have those moments of self-doubt, but I feel like without them, you know, there wouldn't be a need for courage and risk and all these things, which I think really are the things that create true intimacy with a dream, with a person, with a whatever, like, um, you have to have, you have to have that. Yeah. Well, but it's like, like leaning in, I don't know if this will make sense cause I'm not going to go deep into it, but like the cancer element, which I, in the moon is a pretty heavy thing in my chart. And I think it relates a lot mm-hmm. to fiction writers. Um, and it holds a lot of insecurity and imagine like imagination Mm. comes from that for like down in the roots you feel the summer coming and fruitfulness coming and all of a sudden you need to secure yourself so you feel insecure but you're in the dark and so there's a lot of imagination but there's a lot of fertility too yeah so I don't want to like get rid of that insecure feeling because I feel like it's a um a gift for writing well, I'm just like, I mean, we've talked about this before, like, <laughs> my anxiety somehow fuels my writing, too. Yeah. So it's like, I've learned to just be like, I'm going to, the things I'm afraid of. But I want to be compassionate of, about yeah. it. But I don't know if, like, the goat, I'm the greatest of all time. Yeah. I feel like that kind of, like, squashes the insecurity. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking well, for a new emblem, but something that, like, yeah. reminds me and calls me out on undermining, but still allow me, allows me to be compassionate about some of my shadows and some of my yeah well and that's like that's exactly what we were talking earlier too and that's where I've been of just like we were talking about you know I was talking about how intensely I do feel even though I'm a thinking type but it's it's that I'm kind of finally coming to this place of like I have these fears I have these insecurities I have these anxieties um and yet, luckily, I'm finally getting to this place to where my, like, higher self is kind of watching over those feelings mm-hmm. and saying, like, just stay with me. Yeah. Just stay with me. And, and I'm more compassionate towards those feelings and, also, and really do see that I learn from them. Mm-hmm. And they show me things. And they reveal things and they refine things. And they don't scare me as much. Mm-hmm. So, like, the anxiety's still there. But yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's just... It's not as threatening as it once yeah. was. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this in one of the other podcasts. Like, why do we need to get over... I mean, I, I get, like, finding tools... And this is what I'm talking about. Like, tools for depression, for anxiety, yeah, like for when, insecurity. When it becomes deb- wanna, debilitating, when it's get, a Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, of course, like there's things you want to work with but like I don't want to get rid of my insecurities I think it's something that I'm having to learn a lot through in this lifetime yeah I just want to know how to manage it and um identify it identify it manage it and um 
channel it for my imagination. Well, and I think relate to it, right? Relate, Back to that exactly, idea. Like, relate to it. Rather than trying to control them and yeah, manipulate. Oh, that was a very good circle. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I want to, I do, I want to relate to it. Yeah. And I, and I do, and I want to relate to it with compassion. Yeah. And... Yeah, because I think in the past, even some of the tools that even like from a psychological world that have been giving me were, were really ultimately me trying to manipulate and get rid of. And um, and now I'm seeing like, oh, I just I just need to sit with it and relate with it, like sit yeah. down and be like, all right, what what, what is this about? What's going on? <laughs> I just recognize what am I being... Let's see. Arrogant. My card. Am I being arrogant? I'm yeah, like I'm shedding the goat. The goat was arrogant. Oh it was too arrogant. You <laughs> It was the tattoo. It was the tattoo. <laughs> you were re okay. The goat was too Maybe arrogant. Maybe it needs to be a mountain. I don't know. Is that too arrogant stuff? We'll find you something. We'll think of something that's got that good balance. Yeah. Um, of relating. Relating. I think that's what I'm taking away from all of this. Yeah. Is that word? It's coming down to that for me right now. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And not trying to, and that's that totally everything I've been saying about what I'm recognizing about myself right now and like what I'm finally accepting. Like, I don't want to hustle. I don't want to force. I don't want to, like, ah, actually, what I want to do is relate mm-hmm. with what unexpected things come my way like what my life is right now is so unexpected yeah this is not what I expected in my life well and it's cool like I yeah I love this um because as I'm learning more about writing and language and the things that excite that I relate to I'm seeing that I don't need to know everything I don't need to be perfect yeah I need to find the things I relate to and um develop my passion there and like naturally they will yeah gain the experience and the I don't know the depth and command because I'm passionate because I can relate to them and not like I need to have every element of writing and storytelling and this and that like it's an approximation and that's the universe is a it functions on approximations and this is something that I love recently that I've just um just in this past week in some ways I'd kind of been aware of this idea of approximation and whatnot but it really came and honed in on me and this idea of enough you know like Mm -hmm. what is enough and so my day job I work very closely with scientists and um I get to sit down and interview them often about their research and um what keeps coming across more and more and more is even scientists who have to have all this data and all this mm-hmm. exact, you, you think it's so exact. But when you talk to these scientists individually, the way they talk about what they're doing is they'll talk about the approximations and you can see what they're doing. They're able to, to create, you know, like, you know, these really effective medications or these really effective ways to address climate change or these really effective ways based on approximations that are enough they have enough information there's still so much mystery they're constantly saying we're not quite sure what this mechanism is we're not quite sure what this mechanism is but we have enough 
That's interesting. To, to, to make something that's effective. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, you know, I have a couple friends who are agnostic, both religiously and agnostic scientifically as well. And what I am constantly explaining to even the people who are agnostic about science, and they're right, you know, like science is always evolving and changing. Exactly, because it's approximations. Yeah. And so, and as our world changes, but yeah. I'm, I'm just amazed at like... Like the theories are like our best explanation yes. right now. Yes. But... That's it. And it's enough. We're always going to try and falsify it. It's never perfect. It. And yeah. I think sometimes we rely on science as yeah. this perfect knowing of something. No. Yeah. It's not even no. close. Yeah. And so I think that's given me permission as a creative mm. to say, I'm approximating all this This time. is enough. And this is enough. Yeah. Because it's part I of a conversation, that. you know, and it's... It's going to lead to that and it's going to yeah. lead to that and that's what science is is like yeah we're just contributing but that's contributing, how i'm feeling about writing is i'm finally feeling enough to yes. let it out yes we were <laughs> the next step will feel enough to yeah yeah that's cool like yeah that. so i'm just like all about you know and that so that's another um piece to the mm. letting go of perfection and, yeah. and allowing for approximations and enough mm-hmm and even in relationships, I'm like, an approximation is good enough, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't need... But even thinking about, you know, like, putting things through the scientific method, and that is a perfecting it process. It is. It's a perfecting process. And it allows for a lot of experimentation. And totally. it allows for, yeah, for things to be approximate. Exactly. And if you think about, like, going back to the Virgo connection and the gut and... Um, Mm. like you that's like the big topic in health right now is like our guts right and I need certain amounts of like bad bacterias and yeah. certain amounts of I don't know well and even that your gut has a knowing that your gut has there's a neurons knowing. they're finding neurons yeah. in the gut you know like yeah and that that sense of like following your gut and we've been so um, apprehensive, you know, I'm like, oh, you can't follow your gut. That's like not reliable. But it's like it's approximate. Yeah. It's approximate. I mean, it's a good, it's a good place to start. And there needs to be some grimy things in there to yeah. know what to. And maybe it leads you through a messy experience. Yeah. But like you're gonna, it's gonna build some grit in you. It's gonna build some resilience in you. Like I love that. Yeah. So Virgo is not as pure and pretty as we try to make it out to be. And pure and organized. <laughs> and, and organized. <laughs> it's when you, yeah, when it gets trapped in the perfect. And mm. then, yeah, which I know. Some people it's easy to do. With some heavy Virgo in them that get trapped there a little. It's hard to watch. It, it is hard to watch. <laughs> it's hard to feel. <laughs> I don't know how I have so much Virgo in me, and I've no. I don't know. I guess I have moments, of my, but I, I've Allie, always been pretty imperfect and okay with it. <laughs> which, is, which is why I love Allie so good. She's messy like me. In fact, I was thinking as we started this podcast, only me and Allie would record podcasts in my living room on our phones. Yeah, <laughs> with cars going by. My heater going on and off, but it, we we feel like this is good enough. So it's good enough. <laughs> we relate to it. <laughs> yeah. No one else would podcast like this with me. So thank you, Allie. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just 
just our fun experiment. I don't think we're like... We're not serious. We're not serious. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, just kidding, everybody. Just kidding. We love to have listeners. Yeah. We love you out there, but we're not trying to, like, hustle this. No, there is no hustle in this process. It is pure pleasure. It's pure pleasure. Yeah. So... All right. um, yeah, I think we're probably at a good spot. Yep. Yeah, that's good. A little good. further than I thought. So, uh, next one will probably be the new astrological year in Yay, spring. spring. So, um, happy finishing out hibernating. Yeah. Get some rest. Be compassionate. Embrace your shadows. <laughs> yeah. Go. Go dark. We'll see. See you. I was gonna say. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Yes. <laughs>